this optics stuff. I'm Welcome to Frivolous Gravitas. Uh, this week we'll be talking about personal optics. This sounds really, uh, you know, hoity-toity and expensive, but really all it means is how you perceive yourself towards the world and, you know, vice versa. We've all got certain self-awareness that we, uh, you know, bring into every situation and this can end up in something like, you know, shame. Why did I wear that? Oh, I can't believe I went. Why did you let me say that? Oh, you know, why did I do this? And why did I do that? You know, those little cringy moments in your life that you really regret every time you're, you know, can't get to sleep or you're in the shower and you just go, oh, I can't believe I said that 20 years later. But this is all important to us because it does matter what other people think of us. And it matters to such an extent that it becomes a large part of our society. And so that's pretty much what we're going to talk about today is how we view ourselves and how that affects our interactions with others. Um, and I think too, like how we project ourselves, like how we intend to be viewed. Yes. Projection. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Cause a lot of like always I'll say, and I'll just get my, I guess my perspective out of the way is that, what you want to be doing is perspect is presenting um, yourself honestly. No, no, not too much, not too little. Just this is who you are. Unfortunately, that's hard because the question "Who are you?" isn't exactly an easy one to answer for a lot of people. Um, some people are just gifted with one of the most fabulous gifts that a human could get is knowing what they wanted to do for their entire life. Um, shine on you crazy diamonds but uh most of us are uh have to mull it around most of us aren't just kind of sitting there like i shovel rocks it's just like neat man you do you that guy does not care about optics because he has his optics down he doesn't care because he knows who he is and it took me a while to figure out wait who am i and so for a long time, I was worried about like things like first impressions. I cared too much about what people were, 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 were looking at me. In fact, in high school, before I even met Chris, I was wearing like the same pants every day because I wanted to blend in so much because I wanted to make zero impression. I wanted to just be like a fly on the wall. I wanted to just be there, but not there. And so I didn't want any impression because there was two things that I didn't know. One was who I at, uh, who I was. I have no idea what I wanted to be or what I wanted to project. And I didn't know how to act. And I was, you know, dumb, dumb teenager in high school. So I, uh, I made that, um, misstep and it didn't get me anything or anywhere. No one remembers me. Well, they might, but I don't know. Not, not really what I care about. I but, certainly do, and I couldn't possibly have forgotten. <laughs> well, that was after that unfortunate grades 10 and 11. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> that was a bad school, but I'm not going to blame it on the school. Um, that was all my fault. I could have still learned the things they were teaching me, even if they were teaching them poorly. So that's kind of where I'm going to sit on that. But one thing was is that once I met people like Chris and everyone, I started to care what other people thought of me. And so when I started to care, it mattered what I was presenting. So I started wearing just stuff I thought was comfy, which ended up being kind of cringy in itself. And I started practicing and I started throwing. And eventually I found something that made everyone around me kind of flow with me a bit better. Like, ah. Oh. So you start wearing things, you start adopting certain uh, idioms and you start um, doing, um, excuse me, you start picking up things that work and this doesn't change who you are. It's just, you know, it's an addition to who you are, but like you don't need to, that's, you're not also hiding who you are because you're figuring out who you are. You don't know yet. Just because you think, oh, I'm with me all the time. It's like, yes, but have you talked to yourself lately? <laughs> so you need to actually, you know, sit down with yourself and have that person, you know, engage, watch that yourself engaging with others. And it takes time to figure out, you know, what kind of style you want, what kind of clothes you want to wear, what kind of, you know, deportment you want to assume, what kind of all these things that 
show optically who you are. And yeah, it changes. It's obviously it's going to change. But what happened was I got a more, I got practice at it. I got practice at being me. And so what happens is there's another path than this that one can take. And that's the path of faking it. <laughs> the saying, here's what I think people want. Here's what uh, people want. You pick a persona. You know, I want to be, you know, you go through the magazine, you say, oh, this one, this one's my favorite. I want this. Well, we get into that a bit, but you pick a persona and then you just assume that persona and then there's nothing there behind you. You say, oh, you pick up a few talking points and you may become a, you know, a shallow person that's just, you know, good for a first impression in all honesty. But the first impression doesn't really, it's just a first impression. You have to move beyond it. <clears throat> you can actually flub a first impression and, you know, get the job done because, you know, it's just like, oh, that was an awkward first impression. It's like, yeah, I know. I'm terrible at those. Anyway, can I try again to shake your hand? No, because what they want to see is, you know, in a job interview is capability. What they want to see in a friend is honesty and, you know, uh, certain type of uh, um, uh, consistency. You know, you're not going to be like, you're not going to, you know, bail out of them on a, you know, frisbee date or something. I don't. Yeah, know you don't want to be wondering who you're going to meet the next time you meet the same person. <laughs> well put. That's exactly it. So you want just like ah, oh, I like this guy, but then they're different the next time. Um, remember in high school again. Um, just keep bringing up high school BS, but. Uh, I'd be friends with people and then in different company, they'd be different people, which made me go like, what the heck is going on? Like they'd be mean to me when they were with these people, they'd be nice to me when they were alone. They'd be like, I'm just like, yeah, okay, you know what? Guess I'll just keep my head down. I think that's what makes high school such actually a good reference point because it's something that all of our listeners can relate to, but it's also like the time and place where your brain's developing a persona. That's sort of when everybody for sure goes through it at least this one time. Some people go through it their entire lives trying to keep redefining themselves. But I think high school is actually a good jump off point. Yeah. Today's discussions anyway. Cause like what you're doing in high school when you're making, cause like I'm saying, we're saying optics. Cause it's like what uh, we're not going to just be like, okay, don't what you need to do is wear a collar. No, it's like you have to develop your optics because you can just be like, I don't care. I just wear what's in front of me. You know, you can literally have like neutral optics. You can just do nothing. But if you try a bit, you can, you can have this. So on now, a lot of people call this vanity, but I say optics are actually important um, because they display certain things about yourself consciously and unconsciously to other people that, you might want to say, this is, now here's the thesis, I guess, for this whole thing. Dress, deportment, optics is part of communication. And so this is why it's important. This is why you can't just say, oh, it's vanity. I'm going to wear, uh, you know, um, I'm going to wear a sweatpants to my job interview because it's about me. It's, it's about what's on the inside that's important. It's like, no. Because you are what's on the inside, but you are also what's on the outside. Mm -hmm. So you better keep it clean. So you, vanity to some extent is important. And just like anything that's evil, uh, like we said before uh, a couple months ago when I was harping on the fact that everything evil is just a bastardization of those, that, those things that are good, vanity to such an extreme can become an evil. Now we see this all the time. We decry it all the time. It's, it's one of those, like, it's one of the, Seven deadly sins, isn't it? Vanity? No. No, it's lust, I'm thinking. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't follow uh I don't follow Christian mythology. <laughs> but like it's I, I don't memorize ordinal lists very well, we'll put it that way. No, My memorization doesn't is function that way. We should really do a thing of memorization because you write you probably write that in your list because there's something about memorization learning that just put rubs me the wrong way. Well, there is a time and place for it. Like, I'm not saying it's useless. Oh, yeah. It's just. But with optics, coming back to our point, is that, you know, first impressions are important because they tell you quite a bit about 
everything. And this, I've said this before. I'm just, I guess we can get actually deep into this that I've just kind of mentioned in a bunch of other episodes is that when you make a first impression, you're looking at a person and you see, okay, he's dressed nicely. Your brain says, well dressed. Your brain says, looks clean. Brain says, good posture, you know, strong handshake, that kind of thing. And, uh, or you're coming to a bar and the guy looks clean, but not too serious because, you know, he's got a shirt untucked or something, but you know, he's not a scrub. He's got, uh, he's well-spoken still, even though he's casual. And so these things tell you about your brain's going on overdrive. Every time you meet someone, they just kind of like look at the person and be like, analyze, you know, just like the Robocop scene. It's like this, 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 your brain's seeing everything. Um, and it's unconscious. It's not part of your subconscious. No, this is an active physical process is happening in your brain. And it's not mystical either. It's just your brain seeing it and then interpreting it. And it sees all these little things, which is, uh, which are, um, I'm trying to not make this sound like woo, but, um, <laughs> like, <clears throat> like woo, like woo. Oh, <laughs> but, um, it's doing this on the inside and it's taking all these little things and putting it through an evolutionary lens. Is this thing a danger? Is this thing something that could help you? Is this thing something good? Is this thing something bad? Like, and you get a gut feeling about something. This is what happens every time you get a gut feeling. And it like, cause your brain is seeing like signals of things and then sending a signal. And all it can do is pretty much send a this good, this bad, this, you know, sometimes it can be more sophisticated, like, like this one's good for, um, men with women get these signals all the time. Let me just put it that way. Um, and so we don't know why we're attracted to someone. We don't know why we like someone. It's just our brain tells us sometimes that, you know, we just like them. I remember in high school again, I'd be getting these signals and I just would be like, why do I hate this guy so much? There's nothing about him. Everyone else likes him. I just can't stand this guy. And so something about what my brain was telling me about this guy was just like, eh, don't, eh. but like, it could have just been me being like petty little you know, uh, high school student, or it could have actually just been like, this guy will not jive with you no matter how hard you try. And that happens. So what happens, I guess, is we end up acquiring certain uh, traits. So you get like cultural things that people, a lot of people like. So you end up like with collars and, and shirts and uh, certain um, traditional gestures and stuff like that. And all these little things that we, we do to um, portray a thing, or at least prove that we can. So it's like elements of display that allow us not to show that we're um, good, but to prove that we're good. So these little tests, like a handshake. So you shake your hand. Can you handshake well? Are you comfortable? Are you okay with people? These are the little things that, that you can tell from this stuff. <clears throat> Shaking someone's hand seems so innocuous and it seems like this useless gesture that we're not even allowed to do anymore. Uh, and we're just bumping elbows and just like, dude, just, just, just don't do it. Like shake my hand or don't, <laughs> don't bump my elbow. <laughs> and so, but it's cool. Like you new. said, it's a gesture. It's a gesture. So it still and says something, even if you can't shake somebody's hand, it shows that you would have otherwise shook their hand. Yeah. There not been a pandemic. But it's the gesture itself is a bit of a dance, right? And so like, if you can do the dance, you're showing that like, look, I can be, I can be uh, calm and not, you know, spasmodic when I, you know, come to a job interview enough to look you in the eye, you know, like a person, you know, and then shake your hand and then sit down and still be poised. So you have this dance that you're doing to show, okay, so he's got this good first impression. Now I can talk about all the stuff I'm good at. I can show you, you know, my little, uh, you know, look, my my coding skills are on display here and I can show them confidently. I'm not just being like, Oh yeah, I'm a really good coder. Now you can, I guess for to some extent, um, when you're, you, like you said, uh, not like you said, like I said, I you can't just rely on optics. 
Like if you're a coder, you should be able to rely on your work itself. But that's not entirely true. What you can rely on the thing, oh, I want to hire this guy. He's so great. But every time I interview him, I just want to hit the guy because he can't work with people. He's, you know, he's rude. He just doesn't care. But his work is so good. But he needs to be able to work with the team or his work is also useless because you need to integrate work together unless you're, you know, that on a one person team, a one person project. But most of the time, we're going to be working with the rest of humanity. And whether or not you feel that brings you down doesn't matter. So, what we've invented through, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of working together on hard projects, and yes, making axes and fishing is a hard project. <laughs> Especially when no one's done it before. Yeah. So, what happens is, um, because as a group, no matter how the expertise of all of us, because uh, no one, none of us are dumb as all of us, <laughs> but no matter how smart one of us is, it's not as smart as the entire group can be when we actually put our thing. And when that group works in harmony, what is happening is Im amazingly immense. You've seen this if you've ever been on a good hockey team or a good sports team, uh, hockey because we're Canadian, uh, or you've just been on a project that clicked. Um, I can think of an escape room where everyone just kind of worked together great because everyone kind of well, everyone knew how to work in that group, but at the same time, there's certain things. So I'm saying kind of optics is a bit of an evolutionary adaptation uh, that every culture has done, and it comes out differently in every culture. But some dance has come out to give us that shorthand, so we don't need to you know, say, well, who gets, so we don't need to know deeply and talk deeply to every single member in the society. It allows us to just look at someone and kind of know where they're coming from. You know, this can be like, is this person going to stab me or is this person going to be a best friend? But it's a little more complicated than that. If someone's standing behind the counter of a 7-Eleven and they don't look like they should be standing behind the counter of a 7-Eleven, you're just going to be like, you know, if this if they're wearing a suit and tie, you're gonna be like, um, "What you doing back there?" You, you're not gonna assume they work there because they're not doing the right song and dance, and they're not wearing the right costume. And so, optics are definitely important. You might think, "Oh, well, you shouldn't be judgmental," but you definitely should be because it's a valid question. If the guy at Seven Eleven is working there with a, you know, suit and tie, you're gonna be like, "That's weird. That's 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 not quite right." What's going on here? And you're going to ask the question, why are you wearing this? And he'll be like, oh, I've got a job interview after this. And be like, oh, high fives for this guy. I hope he nails it. Um, and he's like doing it, man. I hope they don't notice that you smell like, you know, rotisserie sausages. But you never know. So you can ask because, you know, everything is still circumstantial and life is also very weird. But optics do play a big part, but it is a subtle part of the communication I think is abused a lot. And I think this gets into a lot of stuff Chris wanted to talk about. Um, well, to start off, just to give me a, a chance at a nibble at what you've already Oh, yeah. Sorry. I put a lot on the table there. <laughs> Let's just yeah. move on. Yeah. <laughs> so to begin with, first impressions, what we're talking about is that dance, that communication between people. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that's very, very astute when you think of it that way, because just like a dance, you can go over the top and make your dance look ridiculous. And you can yeah. also put not enough effort into your dance and it looks just as ridiculous to not even try, like, why even bother? You know what I mean? But like, there's a strange sort of um, synthesis that, that occurs when your presentation of self is sort of a projection of not only self-esteem, but um, what you'd like people to see. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a, uh, a projection of who I am on the inside that I know of. It's also a projection of who I'd like other people to think I am on the inside. Right. Which sort of leads us into a lot of the, the mental issues surrounding um, social media and stuff. Uh, yeah. Because most people, even the, even the people that you know, family members and all that, um, it, it's, so, it's almost like farcical how, how different people can be the ones that you know in real life versus how they project themselves on the social media, just based on the things they post and how they speak and 
Some people won't write anything at all. Some people will just write everything that comes to mind. But I, I think is... that's a really neat analog well, towards um, like uh, clothing and and like vi uh, visible appearances. Well, because like when I was in high school, oh, uh, I used to dress really flashy. So I had like the exact opposite of you. Instead of wanting to drown out and fade out into the background, I wanted my bright parachute pants and a big afro and you were wearing I, like bright orange i remember we got pulled over once and i was wearing a collar and slacks and you were wearing bright like just bright orange hoodie bright orange pants and the cop comes up looks at me goes license and looks at you and just goes did you just get out of jail or something <laughs> like he knows it's a hoodie but he's just making funny right off the cuff like he just looks right at you and goes Nice yeah. outfit, buddy. And he looks at me and is like, what the heck is going on in this car? And to and me, he... that was a compliment because that was the whole point. The whole <laughs> point was to make people smile and laugh and feel approachable. And that was sort of part of the communication I was extending out into the world was, you know, I'm a teenager right now. I really don't have to look professional. If I'm ever going to look weird and crazy, I better do it while I'm young. Mm -hmm. And it helped me meet friends and, you know, it broke the ice when in tense situations even. So th things like that even have practical purposes in people's interactions. And I think that's really point important to point out too is because some people will dye their hair purple and wear the most gaudy earrings and, you know, flash up their nails and stuff because of a self-esteem issue where they're scared to look un unpresentable just for like the idea that some stranger might think ill of their character as a person or criticize them as a human being or devalue them based on their appearances. Well, and that's not the actual function. The social function of this type of communication is to relay to people your position. For instance, wearing a uniform helps people, other yeah. people know that you're there to provide a service to them. So it could be like super literal, like optics can like with a uniform, like I am the doctor here see so where the doctor uniform and mm -hmm. everyone i don't know the postmodernist always like oh the uniform is something that's you know terrible in society everyone should be their own true self and i'm just like okay you guys are all idiots because sometimes a uniform is very useful yeah you like know, a police if, uniform i don't want to have to question if the guy walking up you to a my cop and he'll be like cop. maybe and you'll be like okay well then i'm maybe gonna go home <laughs> <laughs> but then um like if everyone on the cn yard is wearing like smocks and then that one guy's going across you know wearing scrubs you're just going to be like maybe that guy shouldn't be there what's he doing there because a train yard is definitely not a safe place if you don't know what's going on yeah and so, so in, in addition to that what i was this, sort of getting to well there's a counter optics i think you were biting at is like some people who take the oppositional optics and go the other way just to prove a point but I think people misunderstand the utility of it. So the social function, like our, our brains are pattern recognizers. That's that's what they do. That's how yeah, we learn and memorize. That's how the dance and, works. That's how we process information, right? So when you, when you see a pattern regularly of people dressing in a certain way, say with collars or with ties or with you know jumpsuits or whatever, if you're in Jersey, <laughs> uh, when you see people regularly dressing a certain way that inherently makes the rest of the community normalize that type of dress wear. But it's not just with clothes, it's also with presentation, like you mentioned hand gestures in different cultures. But like it's especially pronounced when you look at dialects and language, because that stuff has changed over so long, where people mispronounce a certain word often enough that enough of them adopt this new way of speaking. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you can etymology, you follow the etymology tree and you just kind of slur the word into the next one and you it, it really shows you how language evolves just by doing that. Yeah, and dialects are basically that. It's that projection <laughs> of self with people trying to communicate out to the world, even if it's not like you're having a conversation with them. You just overhear them hail a cab in a New York accent. They're going to sound different and it's immediately recognizable, right? Yeah. But that type of thing signals to the people around them where they're from, what their background is, whether or not like what their core belief systems are, you know, freedom, America and that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Like there are deeply embedded prejudices that we just attach to a whole bunch of our, um, I think our, it's our first impressions. And that's even, what I was trying to get to. I think it's even prejudice. more subtle than that because a lot of these things are just like the prejudicial. Yes. But at the same time, they're 
Because one thing I've noticed about how even I will do things is that I'll pick stuff up that I like from other people. Um, I'll pick up little gestures. I'll pick up little uh, ways of saying something that I like. You know, someone hails a cab and they go, yo, Gabby, or something. You're like, oh, I think that's cool. I'm going to hail cabs like that from now on because I like it. And this is how culture literally works. Someone does something. Everyone else says, I love it. Let's do that. Let's, let's do that lots. <laughs> and so this is like, I, I, I hate to say it's that simple, but to some extent it is that simple. It's uh, one man, I can't remember. It was at Cambridge. It was like this talk, but he was talking about how culture is those things that we, uh, that we pass, that we love. And because we love them, we pass them down to uh, the next generation because we like them. And it's not like a conscious thing. Well, to some extent, it's like, son, this is Beethoven. Listen to him and you'll understand. And this kid's like, Beethoven's stupid. And they listen to him and it's just like, dun, 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 dun. And the kid's like, holy, this is good. <laughs> and so, okay, I'm speeding up here, but I think that's literally what happened to me. Uh, what I, I wanted heard, to get into though was but, that de that deliberate projection can also feed or counterbalance hmm. prejudices. Yeah, so... Yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> so I, it, in my in my teens, when I was trying to dress and be loud so that I could have people around me, because you know I liked attention and I liked partying and I liked just having a good time and experiencing life to the fullest, because that was sort of part of my ethos and my mentality moving through life, as I wanted to enjoy as much of it as possible. Baby hedonism. But <laughs> well, no, because not hedonism as in the Christians use it, but like the actual like Epicureanism would be a better way of the putting it. The feeling of being enjoying things and experiencing yeah, you live life things. to enjoy life. Yeah. Not like the Christians were like, oh, you're just going to go out and have like debauchery. It's like, no, Epicureanism. In doing is... so, I anyway. wasn't really recognizing that I was also scaring some old ladies until they got to know me. But part of that pattern recognition part of our brain is the thing that gives us surprise or a punchline or a joke. Like the thing that's really funny to us from the inside out that makes us laugh from our gut is when mm -hmm. we expecting something and you hear something else like a wordplay and it makes us laugh and happy. I like that unexpected thing. So I would intentionally make a bad impression the first time I met everybody so that I would always be giving myself an opportunity to make people laugh after after we spoke for a few minutes or a few hours or the next time we meet. So to me, it was like a game of interpersonal relationships. I didn't want to know people so superficial that they wouldn't give me a second chance. And I didn't want to accidentally screw up a first impression. So mm -hmm. I'd go in, allow myself to make any mistake whatsoever in my first impression, and then recover with some type of joke on it or um, wordplay or a pun or whatever. So to me, it was a way of actually extending myself out into other people because I'm that artsy fartsy creative type, right? Rather than just doing something really simple and straightforward, like yeah. hey, I like your nails today <laughs> to pick up a girl. Well, that's... I would have to make this huge convoluted little process, like a joke like the aristocrats and then finally yeah. come to the punchline. And then they're like, oh, this guy's on my phone list now. You know <laughs> what I mean? But like I would get there in this really roundabout way because that's what tickles my brain. And I like other people whose brains are tickled that way. So I think like the latent communication and the part that feeds into prejudice, it can also be a way of weeding out prejudicial people mm -hmm. or people who are predisposed or prone to prejudice more so than others. Because I'm not saying I'm like immune to prejudice. Everybody has it. But, but to be able to it's... be the person that anybody can can laugh with, that's the type of... Um, that's the type of message I wanted to send right. out. So, but like, yeah, so it's not like, you know, when you say prejudice, everyone just immediately thinks of, you know, the prejudice of the day. Um, no, I'm not talking about like but no, Nazis yeah. or misogyny or anything no, like that. No, but like I you're prejudiced against Uneducated people, homeless people, <laughs> old people, young people, Literally, just anybody. I've met people who are prejudiced against everybody. They Or like those people are like, they just go around and they'll make a good first impression, but then they just... You know what I hate about people? Everything. Jeez, I wish I could just kill them all. You're just yeah, like, dude, backslide fast. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you get a sense of their morality from the and like, can I work with this person? Or, you know, but the thing is, is that your approach that is commendable because it has. Well, it was immature. Element. It was just fun. It was immature, but it does have an element of creativity in it. And even if it's a bit unconscious. And you kind of have, it's one of those things where you kind of have to, not everyone 
could do that. You kind of have to uh, be good enough to be able to do it. And if you can, if you can take a risk, and this kind of goes to a couple episodes ago, if you can take a risk and it pays off, you're going to be out on further on top than had you not taken the risk. And most of the time, you know, you go in, this is why I sucked at dating. Cause just like, what do you say? You just say hi and go up to her and tell her she's pretty. And like, how is that going to work? She knows she's pretty. Like, <laughs> like she's pretty. Of course she knows she's pretty. Like, and like, look at the way she's standing. Look at the way she's like acting with people. She knows. I don't need to tell her something that's obvious. It's like, oh, I like you. It's like, she's going to be like, duh, walks on. <laughs> like, no, I have to be creative. And this is um, why first impressions are actually hard because you can't just, uh, you can't just, do the boring thing. Well, you go up, you have to be, you know, this and that, but like sometimes you just be like bold and that, what you did was bold, um, immature, but yes, but bold. But a lot of times, uh, you know, you walk up and instead of just saying or opening, you just tell the person what's going to happen. And they're like, uh, and then you wait for them to say yes or no. And if they say yes, then, you go to the second impression and it's like, all right, let's get to know each other. But one of the things that can go wrong um, is this thing that uh, you can skirt into, I guess. Um, it's counter optics, I guess, is what happens when you see the uniforms around you of everyone. And then you just decide to be like, you know what? Nuts to these. I'm going to go against it. So you dress like a punk and I don't know, I had a terrible punk phase. I just kind of wore fatigues. Uh, <laughs> but um, I kept the interesting thing is it doesn't really matter which group you, you sort of apply to. Cause even after I went through that phase of like, you know, the, the Afro and the blue full blue jumpsuit, I went to like collared shirts and, and khakis, but then I was doing the same thing, but in the business world, I'd be talking to lawyers and academics mm -hmm. or um, accountants and stuff. I'd be dressed proper and my mouth would betray me. <laughs> I'd start cursing or I'd, you know, let a slur slip out or, you know what I mean? Like my sense of humor and my raw composure, I, I didn't even try and bottle it up because I you, like that element of surprise. You take it. Chris out of the streets, but you can't take the streets out of the Chris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like wearing suit and tie, but like huge baggy pants. And people are like, eh, what? <laughs> That's not quite right to have dress pants be that baggy. <laughs> Get the Those zoot types suit of thing going on. Flow into class with the zoot suit. I'm, there was one kid who just didn't give any darns uh so much that he showed up two classes in a zoot suit and <laughs> he didn't do like the lean or anything like that or uh speak the uh the zoot suit speak but uh that was some bold statement but you know but he, i think he, what's interesting is i would avoid that person because that's too weird for me you know what i mean yeah. Like initially, I'm just saying the first impression thing. After like two seconds, I'm sure I talked to everybody. But he was okay. It was definitely a bit weird, but like he was a he was a neat guy. But, but uh, the interesting thing is it works against us too. Even when we're actively implementing it to a goal with like deliberate focus and intent, it can still betray us when we deal with other people's different ways of projecting themselves. Which I find I find is really fascinating about the human psyche is how particular we are. Well, we have, we, we have this love of novelty, but at the same time, it's just like, it scares us. <laughs> uh, it scares me. But so like we, we, we have these double drives. It's like the duality of man so deep. It's, mm. it's like if I punch that person in the face, but because what happens, well, and there's actually a third factor, which is so stupid that I'm going to bring it up in a bit. Uh, it's just, it's the dumbest, but it definitely is probably one of the things that drives us the most Sex. is that it's mood. Oh, I don't have time for this shit. That's cool. Or like that person seems interesting, but I'm so tired. I don't want to deal with a guy in a clown costume in class. Like Jesus, <laughs> like I have no time. Like, but when you're, when you're in the mood for it, you're just like, Oh man, you showed up in like an uncle Sam costume to this class. Like high five for you being such a like weird mother, but like, or you like wore a toga to, uh, I don't know, Roman history class. And so you, you know, if you're in the mood, it's going to be quaint, but if you're not, it's going to be annoying. 
But at the same time, what happens if you, I guess what I'm saying with counter optics is if you put like your punk costume on and you, you try and intentionally be in opposition to every single person that you, uh, meet. It's just like, oh, everyone wearing a suit. I want to freak them out. I want to make them feel uncomfortable. I want to make them feel bad. You know, this is kind of what the punk thing is like nuts to you. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, and so, you know, to some extent I can respect that, you know, freedom, blah, blah, blah. But on another, on another pass, it seems that it's, it's it, the anti-conformity is in itself an element of conformity, which makes it very hard to understand because, you know, they all end up being anti-establishment all in the same way. Well, it's just like you said, what they're doing is they're seeking approval from a group. They just don't want all these other groups, but their Mm. own punk groups, they'll come up to them. Oh man, you got your spikes from four inches to six inches and now they're lime green. Like you'll have, you'll find a community based on the way that you're presenting yourself. That's comfortable and familiar. It ends up just being a different dance. Exactly. And so, so even dance, no matter how weird it looks and how off the wall, like nonconformist it is, all of those like emo and goth and punk and, you know, even like business suits and stuff too is just socially acceptable, but it's no different from having six inch spikes on your head. Right. It's creating, it's, 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 it's attempting to be cool in the community that you've chosen based on what you want how you've answered the question, well, who do I want to be? What do I want? And who I am I? I think a lot of people overemphasize the cool thing, like the way the social media is where people are are um, showing their approval of your behavior or your actions or your presentation. I think it's far less that psychologically. I think it has a lot more to do with finding um, common ground with people so that you, you can tell from a distance that these people would be um, relatable to you. Right. I think it has more to do with an emotional connection with a group than it does having a group approval for for yeah. what you look like. I think cool is pretty much shorthand for that. It's kind of the same thing like an like honorable. You're doing the right thing or you're someone who's been shown to do the right thing. Cool is like you're able to do the dance really well. And so people will do that. The problem is the dance and I think this is why Facebook works like it does. Um is that the dance doesn't stop ever. In fact, the moves keep changing constantly, literally too, because, you know, dancing is part of the dance that we're talking about. Yeah, moving requires, or dancing (laughs) requires movement. So, but like styles change. If you look at how, you know, the, the suit evolved, you know, people thought if I wore a suit, from the 1780s, I don't know, let's, let's go something a little more similar. Um, the 1870s, uh, and, wore it to work one day, they'd be like, why are you dressed so like that? I'd be like, well, this is a suit. It's like, and they'll be like, I guess, but it's not, you're not, you're doing the dance the way it was done before. So it doesn't, everyone's kind of getting this, like their brains are just kind of going, that's weird. Is he going to be really weird all the time? Or is this just a one-time thing? Cause if it is a one-time thing, then the, oh yeah. Let's, but if it's going to be an every time thing, maybe we should watch out for him. This isn't a conscious thing. This is unconscious. But at the same time, you know, if I, you know, you, you see this with colors going in and out. The, the the good thing about this changing of the dance, I guess, is that it doesn't happen as fast as, like it happens quickly, but it doesn't, you don't need to adapt to it as quickly as uh, as a lot of people make it seem on, on social media. Because like I can wear colors like three seasons old and no one's going to, care <laughs> um i can wear like i can wear i wear pants that are like 10 years old and no one says oh an old-fashioned pants it's like no they don't they're not this year's pants uh but if i wear them if 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 they make it to another 20 years then it might be a bit odd it's like people wearing stuff from the 70s it's, it's this different uh dance it's these different things all these memes that have moved on and I think a lot of what these little points of, uh, I guess the moves in the dance are all just memes. They're just things that we're doing that we like at this moment that kind of make everyone jive together. Well, hopefully. I would hope that people do that. But I, 
I believe most people don't. I think oh, most no. people do what is acceptable or what they think is acceptable to somebody else, which is not the way we were sort of evolved socially to behave. Um, back when, when we had shells and pearls and jewelry and stuff just from the ocean, uh, different tribes had different symbols, but what, you're, what they were doing is voluntarily representing their tribe so that when they married off to another tribe, right. they would still have part of their identity with them and they would adopt part of a new identity from a new tribe. And then as societies mingled over generations, they would invariably, just by being close to, to one another, start adopting each other's like um, uh, cadence and way of speaking, right. language and so these little and symbols. And, and that's kind of what I mean by a meme. It's like we, we evolved, like culturally, we evolved this collar. And this collar, the collar itself is a meme. It it changes. We kind of do it now, and it's accepted, and you know, it 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 shows something. It it has relevance in the real world because you know it makes the neck look a bit strong, wider, and it you know actually has you know you want your neck kept warm. So that's why we have collars, and you know, have a tie, which is kind of like an evolution of a scarf. But then it became something that you just wear, and there's different sub memes of the tie meme um but at the same time like a, a necklace of seashells for a paleolithic tribe would have been one of their memes it's like oh we like that and this is kind of what i mean like culture people just pushing on what they like and but this, i think vanity is sort of taking over that now to get vanity to definitely was... involves it though because you know but vanity again can go too far oh she looks good in that necklace so all the women start wearing necklaces or all the women you know the men will go get seashells for their women so they can look good in their new necklace and like the meme grows the mimetic thing and that's why where that where that word comes from you know it's 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 it's, it's symbolic um meme mimetic means uh kind of like a symbolic thing that has reference to something else um so you know you look good it's a symbol that relates an idea, but the idea isn't just like a philosophical idea. It's also an impression. Um, uh, this is how we enhance beauty in our society. And you, you see it change in gradients over and from like the Middle East, you know, ancient Middle East into like ancient China and you get completely different memes and those changed. Um, and their dance was a bit different. But the weird thing about that is that we can still understand their dance. We see them going about. We see them, that guy's rich. Why? Well, I don't know. We look at his hat. He's so like, look at him compared to the other people in this thing. That guy is the guy in this town. Well, how do you know? Well, he's got the, he's still got the same haircut because all the Manchus had to have the same uh, haircut. Um, all the men in uh, uh, King China had to have their the same braid single braid with their mm -hmm. uh, the q haircut go look it up <laughs> um and so that's what they decided they were going to do but there was other ways of showing vanity showing status showing these things by their dance and i think what it is more than anything else is a negotiation a constant negotiation as to Oh, what are the factors? Well, status is one of them. Um, well, uh, capability, competence, um, sexual uh, availability, um, sexual uh, value. Like men are constantly trying to show, look at my genes. <laughs> Would you like to We're see like me the without most my shirt? Secure creatures on earth, eh? Just well, like we kind of <laughs> have to be to some extent. It's like <laughs> I'm fine the way I am, and the women are like. Okay, I, I get got it. its feathers. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to be like, I need to show that I'm capable of becoming a good father, and uh, you know that my genetics are good to pass on to the next generation. How do I do that? Well, Act the dance. Like a bad father. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but like a lot of times, that's well, that's what the it's media is taking. It's irresponsibility. It's being uh, emotionally unavailable. It's all these things that would make you a terrible it's, father. That's it's how we really not though, because like <laughs> that's what the media wants you to think. You know, because the media is showing a bunch of like, oh, I'm just a man trying to make it through the world, and they smoke, and the little girls in the show are just like, oh, that's so cool. But in reality, girls look for dads, and like they want a dad. And they're like, that guy's got a dad. Why? Because he's got a 
job and he like oh let's say okay movies is a good example then how many movies have you seen where the guy neglects his family because of his job and how many movies have you seen where a woman neglects her husband because of her job oh geez i can't think of a single one of either of those right now Um, i mean harlequin (laughs) and you know hallmark movies do it sometimes because they're always about the woman protagonist protagonist but by and large in hollywood it's the guy doing the revenge plot and the girl being saved, yeah. or the girl having an emotion plot, and the guy being just like a a tool that she's emotionally attached to. Like there are very distinct roles that we sort of set out for people and consider just acceptable, just because we've yeah. seen them so often. Is sort of hard well, to kind of like ourselves. an archetype, because you know in shows we do have archetypes. Like that's mm. that whole Jungian thing. But the, pr- the, uh, I'm not the projection of the, the male, huge. like yeah. the attractive no, male no. to a female, if you look into music or in, in movies and TV and stuff, the attractive male to the female is one who gets a lot of other women. So a promiscuous mm-hmm. man, which doesn't really make him a good Well, father. that's a good sign that he's overworker. good. Well, I don't know, because I meet a lot of girls who are like, they they like guys who like, oh, he works hard. He works really hard. Okay. And then like. They think that that's sexy. You meet a lot of women who... Until you start dating them and then they're like, you're ignoring us. <laughs> well, not all... Like, that's again, that's that's a kind of prejudicial because like a lot well, of guys... That's just my experience. Yeah. But like, you get a lot of women who will like, oh, they look, he looks good in a suit, he looks good in a blah, blah, blah. But like, you get... I've met a lot of girls who like, you know, they'll look at a guy's hands and they'll see like a guy's hands and they'll be all scarred and beaten up and calloused and they'll be like, I like that. There's something about that to a lot of women who are like, like a man who's able to just sit down and do hard work. You know, man who's got bent, beat up hands is a man who's willing to work. Uh, and that's, um, that's attractive to a lot of women. Like it's not just physical. I didn't say just, I'm saying it's a predominant theme. It is, but there's a lot of media nowadays that just, you watch it and the archetypes are forced and made up and they don't really have any bearing on reality you watch a movie and you're just like the heck is this i'm thinking of the new star wars movies which have all the archetypes are just kind of being mashed together their dance is all weird and i just don't like what are they actually trying to show me and you're just they don't have any idea of what the characters are doing and they're trying to make a point that has no bearing on reality and i guess this comes back to the logos Damn it. I was trying to avoid that, make, bringing it up again. But it's... What I'm getting at is kind of like how a gay couple in a movie, the gay mm. part of the couple is almost always integral to the plot. And it shouldn't be. It should well, just be a couple. That's, that's present day, like... Right. That's what we're of... doing, though, is that, that forcing of token mashing together as oh, if okay. we're so enlightened and woke that we don't recognize skin color, but then we start... Well, that's nope. a part of that's kind of what I'm getting at too. Is it, we're talking past each other, saying the same thing? No, no, I'm adding <laughs> no. what you were saying. <laughs> but um, we're because uh, uh, like, well, okay, you know, we take this down to the micro level, and you see a guy trying too hard. Uh, this is what I am, blah, blah, blah. and the girls are like, you know, me thinks he doth, you know, project too much, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> and. It's pathetic, really. It's pathetic. And you just like, be like, yeah, I've got a Hemi 4H, blah, 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 blah. And girls are like, cool, you've got a car. Any guy can buy a car. Like, it's like, but if the guy, now here's the thing. Two different guys. One guy comes in, he's boastful, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've got this. Because he thinks that's what women want. He thinks that's, you know, women want a guy who has got a car. Now, a car is a good sign. <laughs> because a car is a sign that, like, you are, one, making enough money to at least support yourself. And if you're making enough money to at least support yourself, you must be working for it. And therefore, you might have room for improvement. And he's got a nice car, so he must have at least good taste. But it's all up to like the women's thing. It's like, oh, I actually like a guy with like underglow in their car because underglow is cool because they just kind of like it because women are allowed to like things. Funny that in our society. (laughs) Yes, I am pro women. And there's nothing wrong with a guy but, wearing eyeliner and girls liking a guy with long, luscious hair and eyeliner or liking a Rasta man who never got a driver's license or a car ever. Like every woman has the different things. The I'm not trying to generalize. To me. I'm not I trying to paint broad like strokes. That. But, 
What I'm getting at, though, is the projections that we see, well, the things well, the, that are visible in yeah. society, like billboards and advertisements but, and movies and music and all those things are all coalescing towards an ideal that is not ideal. Well, maybe. Those are vanity projects. Put a, put a, well, that's okay. There's a difference between... Because there's the, the guy who says, oh, yeah, I've got this car, blah, blah, blah. It's such a great car. Let's go hook up. And the girl's like, okay, I know. Like, this is what girls want. This is, and this happens on Facebook. This happens to every, like every group has this. Like, this is what success looks like. And therefore, if I have, if I look like it, therefore I'm successful. You know, maybe it's a fake it till you make it. Maybe it's not, but essentially he's lying. But then you get someone who comes in with the same car and you can still be honest about it because you can be like, I like cars a lot. So I work on it. And this is kind of what I've been working on. You know, you have passion for it. That car isn't just a show. That car is now the result of effort and passion put in. And uh, one thing I've noticed with a lot of women is that uh, I noticed it because they've straight up told me <laughs> is that they um, like a man that has passion for something. And that passion is a very honest dance. So someone who has passion for music and women find this very attractive. Uh, why it is. Figure it out. Um, but you know, you, you passionate for music, an honest passion instead of just the show for it. So if you have someone who, um, doesn't, you know, looks good, doesn't make a big deal of himself looking good. Like wears a good suit, cleans himself up, puts effort in cleaning himself up, doesn't make a big deal of it because that's not important. What's important is who he is. Shows up in a car, everyone's like, nice car. And he's like, yeah, I've been working on this car forever. I love cars. Cars are my life. And he just gets into it. He finds the meaning. He finds meaning from working on cars in his life. And then everyone's like, this guy is genuine. He might have the same car. It might have the same stupid deckling. It might look like it's from a Fast and Furious film. But if he's actually legitimately passionate about vehicles, then it's going to have a different, um, the dance is going to be, uh, come across as genuine, just like in those movies where they're trying to push some kind of ideological, um, thing saying, this is actually how women are. And then they have a movie and everyone's like, what's going on in this movie? Or this is actually what men are. And then they just portray men as like nothing but Homer Simpsons and oafs and stuff. And, that's not what they are. People are people in our society. It's just some of them are fake. So when you put a dance up that has no bearing on reality, then you are going to have a dance reflecting those, uh, how did you say it? What were those words you use? Those bad outcomes. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, you get that douche at a bar. Is that, are we allowed to say that on YouTube? Whatever. It's true. Douche, yeah. 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 It's a so, product. yeah, it's, uh, he's, uh, uh, you know that bond. cleaning product at the bar yeah the cleaning product or he he's a he, he's a shower <laughs> in french um but these we all know these guys these and they're all fake now the problem and so he is doing the dance he's doing the moves uh but it doesn't reflect what you're going to get from him and so this is part of the other side's responsibility you know on the responsibility of the women and the people hiring and you need to know when the dance is fake and so you need to be able to detect it so it's all constant ballet of this now the problem that's compiled in our society is what happens online because then it becomes all show you can't just be like that guy's walk doesn't like he's 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 talking the talk but he's not walking the walk so you can tell you, you can tell he's fake you know he's like he's wearing a suit but he's also got but that on the weird... same token isn't that what social media is for like it's not supposed to be, this has to be real. Everything has to be you. Like, why can't some people go on social media and act like complete retards that, you know, completely different from how they are in real life? Like, Honestly, who am I to say that better. they can't do it? <laughs> that's you know like, what I mean? Like, wh how are we to judge people for being fake on the way that they present themselves? If they present themselves as loving cars and they know nothing about cars, maybe they're the type of person who wants to know about cars, but just isn't very clever about mechanics. They could spend their whole lives trying to learn about cars and never learn anything important. And it doesn't mean they've been fake their whole lives telling people they're into cars. Or no, like I do data science. Cars doesn't mean just because I don't have cars. a degree in data science doesn't mean I'm not doing data science. 
No, but like expertise is different than passion. I can I can have a passion for music, but not play a single like note. Uh, well, yeah, but I, it's what you're getting at though is a difference. That person who says I'm so into music, and then it's like, oh, shut up! I have to listen to this song. It's so deep. Like uh, those annoying people. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, there are like my that are my brother-in-law's into music, but I think he's tone deaf. <laughs> but like he's actually like he'll be able to discuss it with you for hours on end, and yeah. that shows like it's it's. And I think the thing is, is that he can say one thing and then he can continue the dance instead of like, you know, moving. It's like, oh yeah, I like music. And then going up to a girl and be like, yeah, let's hook up because I'm into music. Everyone's into music. Music's the cool thing to be into. But like, no, if you can actually like be into it and like put some thought into it, it doesn't mean you have to be smart about it. It just means you have to have an honest appreciation about it. Um, yeah. And that's sort of where I stand on judging people's fakeness though, because I, I am one of those completely obsessed music fanatics or whatever right but yeah. i have a really eclectic style of music so when i say i love music it's so different the way i'm interpreting the way i'm trying to say it compared to people who listen to pop music on the radio saying oh i love music because they oh, like see, to dance and they just dance to anything see because okay that's a good point that you're making because like how are these people different than what so I've, I've made two categories and you're saying how are these people different from one of these categories I guess you don't need to know that you're fake to be fake, but at some point are I don't it, think it, it is fake if they're okay, not doing maybe it. Maybe that's a bad way of putting it because is your what you're projecting a re, have any relation to who you are underneath? And I think that matters cuz if you post what you like if you post on Facebook like, you know, look at me, I'm doing the picture at a at a Oh, and the Leaning Tower Pisa and you, that same picture. Well, if you think it's fun, do it. But I think what if... Okay, no. Okay, you know what? It comes down to intention. Sincerity, maybe. <laughs> Sincerity and intention. Sincerity is good too because why are you doing a thing? Do you actually want to be doing this or are you just doing it? Like, what do you actually want? And I think... Hmm. Because one of the things I used to do was I used to not, I guess uh, in geek culture, they show, call this not showing your power level. I used to like, you know, I used to have all these little, you know, gadgets and stuff and I'd have all my geek stuff and I'd put it away because like, oh, you know, a girl won't want to get to know me if I, you know, if I, you know, like anime or I am big into science fiction or I only have like, I've got my little Star Trek Enterprise uh, hanging from the ceiling because, you know, it means a lot to me. And then I realized at some point that I don't give a shit <laughs> and um, I should just be me. And this is kind of like that 90s philosophy, just be yourself and everyone will like you. It's like, okay, yeah, but that's hard. Uh, <laughs> so, and it, saying it like that doesn't really mean it, but what it it also it, makes it sound important that everybody likes you. I really think we need to wash that out of our psyches. Yes. We need to yes. stop caring that everyone likes us because they shouldn't. You're not a unique individual person if everybody likes you. No. You're just a piece of cardboard that others carry around. Yeah. I but I, look at movies that try to please everybody. They end up being the worst movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh, and they end up pleasing nobody. But when I was doing, like when I was hiding what I what liked and what I was hiding my personal dance moves, I guess, nobody would, like I wasn't able to talk to anybody because I couldn't deal with anybody on my own terms. I was dealing with them on the terms of some hypothetical ideal like dating man and then i would i'd come across as boring i couldn't come across as ingenuine because i wasn't saying anything that would require a genuine check i was just boring because i also sucked at those moods but if moves but if i was like actually like okay i gotta practice my moves then it becomes ingenuine i just sucked so hard that i everyone i wasn't fooling anybody so what i was coming across was, was like, yes, I read books. What books? Oh, you know, lots of books. It's like, well, I do read lots of books. But like, when I say it like that, and when I hide my passion, I just become gray. Like, and so, so when I, I think what you're saying is when you know better, and you do the opposite, that's fake. 
Right. But a person can sincerely be projecting something that looks fake that's actually completely genuine, I think. Yeah. Like somebody might believe they read a lot of books and they only read one book a year. They might believe that they're a bookworm because nobody they know reads at all. You know what I mean? It's it's all relative. Really. It is. And a lot of times those people get reality checks and they can do one of two things. They can wallow or they can be like, well, you know what? I better double down <laughs> and like actually, you know, get good. And then they realize and they learn more or they, you know, get better. That's because- sort of why I don't think it's our place to, to, to believe that our judgments on other people of their fakeness or, or trueness to themselves. Cause I think only the person themselves can truly know if they're lying to themselves or not. Right. It's just our responsibility to, if you're a girl, just if you get a bad feeling, don't sleep with the guy. <laughs> I think that's what it comes to. Because, <laughs> like, you Unless know. Unless you're absolutely a, positive, there's no reason to ever sleep with anybody. You could just wait till the next day. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, but no at the same time, um, and you said this, guys, like, we don't have to like anybody. And the thing is, is, like, if someone's being an idiot, it's not our job to correct them. And this is kind of one of those, like, things that I think you. you, you, you 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 said it and we we're inherently thinking that if someone else's behavior is bad just like not like evil or malicious they're just they're just bad at being (laughs) at behaving in public they just their behavior is like c minus do better try harder think about yourself and come back like more chill less you know you know that you're just you're just bad at engaging with other people get good it's not our place as the individuals around them to correct them, to vocalize about it. Like if someone comes up to me and is just says like some shallow garbage, it's like I don't have to be like, no, that's wrong. What you should be doing in life is blah, 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 blah. No, it's their place to deal with their own like shallowness. I don't have to. I can just. I'm I do not- think that makes good conversation though. That it is does. Productive. It's better than talking about the sky is blue. It's raining today. My car didn't start. Like talking about somebody's deep personal beliefs and attachment to their persona and self-identity, I think is a much more reasonable thing to discuss in public. Yeah, but if you're able to have those conversations, then you're talking with a genuine person to begin with. <laughs> yeah, but that's so, why I wore all orange because I encourage those types of conversations. What do you, well, you wanted it. You wanted, and that's, well, that's I wanted one of it. the yeah. things I did when I was dating was I would just, I would like bring up something weird because the moment you start have something weird to talk about or you tell a dumb joke oh no now you have something to talk about and this is kind of what happens with your orange thing which is why i kind of am not shying away from it being immature because you're doing something that immediately starts a conversation and allows you to get into a, a realm that you are either you know able to be comfortable in in a conversation or are passionate about so if you actually meet, because this is the thing, I, I am underscoring passion a lot. Because I think um, it's important that you do. It's two people with passions that are opposite from each other. You know, cars and you know, uh, programming. You know, programming. Now you put them, and they're both honestly passionate about what they do. You put them at a table together, and you say, "Just talk." Because they're both passionate about it, they'll be able to talk because it's just like, oh, that's neat. Because engaging with someone who is honestly interested in something will usually end up leading to a good conversation. Like you'll learn something you didn't know. It's like, oh, neat. Because there was this one guy I did a, I did a, I did a play with in French class he was really into opera and he would just start talking about opera. Like he was just like, and then there was this guy and I did this thing and there was this note. I'm just like, why is this interesting? <laughs> All right. Cause this is this guy's life. He is living his dance. His, he is one with his own logos. But that he, to me it, is like a stranger walking up to you at a bus stop and doing the Macarena. Like I, I didn't, I didn't want this. Nobody likes doing the no. Macarena. Nobody likes opera. Why are you pushing this on me? You know, but he, <laughs> like he, he knew he was into it and you know, you're going to get that conversation with him. But like, it's the same thing. He wasn't, it but wasn't a level of respect. No, but it wasn't somebody else isn't into it. Right. But the thing is, is that it wasn't, um, it wasn't impolite. 
you know, did all the things because we were all, it was apropos because we were doing a play about, uh, you know, poets and there was, you know, a musical number in it. And there was, um, it was, it flowed in, but you're able to talk. Now, the thing is that most passions will intersect with another thing. So, you know, programming and cars, they do interact, you know, cars now have computers in them. It's just like, Hey man, you know, these new, you can actually talk about that kind of stuff. Now, sometimes this happens and this is also something we need to realize just, uh, as well, much as, um, uh, the fact that we don't need to deal with other people's stuff and we don't need to like other people. We're just not going to like some people. Sometimes you're just not going to jive with them. That doesn't mean you, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't like that guy. Yeah, I didn't like that guy either. Well, he seemed like a great guy, but he didn't um, show any, uh, we just don't like him. So we're not going to hire him. That's not a crime. He might not jive with anybody. They might be a perfectly fine guy, but when it comes down to it, um, you're just not going to get along with everybody and that's okay. Some people just don't do the dance well with certain other people. And this is why we do things like have job interviews and go on dates and, uh, you know, do site visits for, you know, daycare centers and stuff like that and check and see who we're going to be leaving our cat with for the weekend because we need to know that we can trust them. And so we make a first impression. And so that's why the companies spend so much time uh, trying to make a first impression. 